What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 249 of the Comics Pals. I'm your host this week, Pete and Bessie, joined by Kale. That's me. And Tyler. Uh, that is also me. Tyler, look at you, man. Two weeks in, you're already up in the big leagues. I know. I know. I feel like I'm getting called up to, to Raw or SmackDown. I, this is not the audience for that. I don't know. <laughs> well, getting, it kind of is. Called up, called up to fight Captain America. <laughs> Is that what I would be Captain Insano if we're going to keep the uh, well, because you're Spider Man, yeah. No, I like that. You're like a street level hero now, you're getting called up to the Avengers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, pretty big. I mean, I could be like Daredevil who's just like, yeah, I'm good, I'm okay. No, No, that's that's Murphy, Murphy. yeah, 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 that's (laughs) for sure. (laughs) He was in the game, but then he got out because he's too, it's too nasty, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going back to Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> There's that last shot of him leaving uh, the Long Box podcast. He was walking down an alleyway with his microphone and a trash can behind him. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the Long Box no more. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is the Comics Pals. Uh, we're a weekly comic book podcast where a group of comic book journalists and friends get together to talk about comics because we don't talk enough about comics and our daily lives. I, I got it. there kind of. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed, thank I wouldn't you. Be, I wouldn't be able to do it. So I appreciate the, the support, you know? Comic book friends and journalists. What's a comic book friend? It's us. It's us. We're the comics pals. See, it works. I've never, I've said this before, and I'll go on record saying it several more times. I am no journalist. Okay. But I am a comic book friend. Okay. I think that's what matters most. <laughs> there yeah. we go. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Sean, uh, Marco, and Phil not here this week. Marco and Phil not being here, not exactly news, but Sean not being here, I promise I'm going to do the best I can. I've got, uh, he wrote me a, sh- a short novella on what happened in the world of comics this week. So, Oh, yeah. Full, it's yeah, like a full it's, newspaper. Yeah, basically. He, he, <laughs> Sean, very much a comic book journalist, actually does his homework, yeah. so thank God for him. <laughs> the amount of time it took him to write that, he could have just been on the show. Like, <laughs> look Probably, all right yeah. he needed a vacation <laughs> yeah. he needed a vacation but then, then i look and it's like oh posted three hours ago and this was at 9 a.m this morning and i'm like what are you doing sean i know he needed a vacation but he still did the work he's just addicted <laughs> <laughs> he can't get away from the news you know it's he's, it's passion it's pure passion he's got a nose for news you know but uh before we get into the news there was a little a little thing that happened this week on comics twitter that uh, I thought I thought we could take the time to just dunk on a little bit. You know, last couple okay. of weeks, we've had plenty of jabronis making the rounds in the world of comic book Twitter in our comment sections. And, you know, the, the folks at home seem to like it when we just take them to task a little bit. So I think I think I, I just have to call this one out. So there was a, a tweet this week uh, from a, a Travis B. Hill. Right. Who uh, <laughs> this one. <laughs> He uh, he he qu- quote tweeted um, a- another writer who had said, I want to write a Batman comic that's a clearly a thinly disguised entourage spec script. Right. OK. So he quote tweets this and says, I want to write a Batman comic where Bruce Wayne goes to therapy and then uses all his riches to invest in better city infrastructure and public safety in Gotham and forces a minimum wage across the entire DC universe. <laughs> so uh, that got. That got people a little, uh, they were, they were a, chatting. They were chatting this week about that. Is that a Bernie Sanders spec script? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, uh, that sounds like a great spec, spec script for the Bernie Sanders comic, but for Batman, I don't know. What do you think about that pitch? Burn man. I, Burn man. So, so here's the thing. <laughs> 
Who's this Robin, Kale? <laughs> what what he wrote down, fantastic. <laughs> Minimum wage, yes. Like like, trust me, I'm like the most radical Democratic socialist that, that I can trust him. He says, trust me, trust me. <laughs> um, but I don't want to read that. <laughs> I, I I like. My favorite reaction to this news actually came from friend of the show, Matt Murphy, where he just started <laughs> tweeting different, like, summaries of, like, Slife of Life manga, you know? And it's just like, you can just read something else if you if you want that, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are other like, books. Like, I'm, like, one step <laughs> away from saying, like, I don't want these politics in my comics, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, I just want a little bit of uh, uh, escapism in a batman book not to say that this political book cannot exist but first of all bruce wayne's a dick he wouldn't do any of this no <laughs> he's a, he's that, an insane fetish. first of all that is wholly untrue <laughs> i maintain bruce wayne is a total asshole who is super selfish but so, so he you, does like you literally you've never read a batman comic oh no my favorite batman is dick Grayson. So, I see. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that's that's yeah, where I lie on lie on the on the spectrum there. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, Batman uses his mass wealth to just you know beat the shit out of poor people. So. Yeah, if, <laughs> if it's not a, a nice uh, a sharp gauntlet slicing a poor person's face who's just trying to like make do with the horrible situation that is Gotham City, um, it's not a Batman book. I'm sorry. All I'm like, saying you know, is, Kale, I played, you know, I played uh, Arkham Knight where they gave you that Batmobile, and I was just running people over left yeah. and right. Batman's I mean, a look, fucking murderer. If you give the guy a tank, of course a couple of people are going to get run over. That's No guns, though. No, no guns. guns. No guns. Didn't that tank have rockets? It did. Rockets are not guns. If you blow up cars <laughs> that have people inside, it's not the same as shooting them. Um, I like to think though, like, would that work as a book that wasn't a Batman book? Like, could it work as like I don't know some kind of like political? Like, would would comics be a good medium for a story like that? For like uh, political, like um, what's the word I'm looking like fan fiction? Like, what if the world? Had <laughs> I, mean, a I guess I was I was thinking more of like, I mean, he really just pitched uh uh points for someone to get elected like this is this is more like an election pitch really than an actual story yeah. pitch that there was no story actually pitched but um i wonder if something like that could work in a comic book it wouldn't work in batman no, batman's an it, asshole sorry it definitely it, it de well he's not an asshole but it definitely <laughs> wouldn't um it definitely wouldn't fly in a big two comic for sure no no no, no. as maybe maybe and this boy this is a hard maybe if uh there was like a a a, a, a quote-unquote redemption arc at the end where he goes, oh, shit, people do need Batman. That's that's when that would work. But I do need to be punching poor people. He's like, damn, even with the minimum wage, there's still crime. <laughs> oh. I just changed all the wage for all the Gotham Burger employees, but now, I don't know. And what if like the second volume of Nemesis can tackle this? <laughs> I don't know. It's funny because you asked the question of like, could this actually work? And I, I think like <clears throat> for 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 people like on our, you know, um, side of the political spectrum, Tyler, I feel like it would just be like like it's like, oh, yeah, like where's the conflict <laughs> in this story? This is exactly this is all the right decisions. Everything worked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
But I feel like for, you know, um, maybe for like a right winger, this could be like a great horror story, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The independent maverick billionaire Bruce Wayne is. Wait, who a- would be the villain in this? Would there be like, is it just like uh, uh, the, the main villain's name is Filibuster? The therapist, maybe. Yeah, or, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the therapist who makes him realize he needs to get his shit together. <laughs> Although I feel like Tom King could have written a good like one shot Bruce Wayne therapy book. Like I'm sure. okay with the idea of a Bruce Wayne therapy book. I'd it's read that. Like, sure. Yeah. yeah. Just I how mean, how exciting can it be? Oh, of uh, how how exciting can legislature of reform be on yeah. on the paper? You know. I, I will say though, uh, like. Any, I think anything beyond it being a one shot is like not something I would be at all interested <laughs> 12 in. Twelve issue maxi. The idea of like, ah, oh, yes, what if Batman went to therapy? It's like, well, the entire core of Batman as a character is that he experienced trauma as a child and then never dealt with it really. So, I mean, I feel like what we would be doing is just like, okay, what if we shot Superman in the head with a kryptonite bullet? Well, the stories would end. It should just be like multiple pages of saying you should go to therapy. <laughs> yeah and then it's like hey here's a better help ad in there and you know and just uh, <laughs> this issue of batman brought to you by betterhelp.com yeah there you go <laughs> comes free with a subscription oh my god all right well uh, that's that's enough of that for now oh you got something I, kill I, I like that you started that conversation by saying you were gonna dunk on it <laughs> but at the end you kind of agreed with it yeah, we were just like we ended up just being, well how do we make this script work <laughs> That's fine. There'll be plenty of opportunities to dunk on people later, I'm sure. <laughs> so uh, we uh, we got some listener comments I wanted to read here. Uh, everybody over on the YouTube channel has been really awesome coming in with these comments every week. We really appreciate hearing from y'all. Um, so please write in to the show, uh, either by hitting us up over on YouTube. Uh, you can write to us at thecomicspiles at gmail.com. Get us on Twitter, wherever you get us, the Discord. Um, we're happy to read your thoughts on the air. So, uh, this one came from Ken Byrne over on episode 248, where we had Sal from Comic Pop on for an interview, and uh, Ken wrote in and said, sorry I missed the live version, I love Comic Pop. Well, don't worry, the show wasn't live, so you nailed it, you caught it day one, good for you, Ken. Thanks for checking it out. Uh, Christopher Wolf also wrote in on that episode and said, you know what is not alienating Comic Pop interviews? Did you guys talk about stuff being alienating on that episode? I, I don't think so. You're no, the wrong not, person to ask, I'm huh, not, Kale? I'm, I've watched it. I don't. I don't think well, so. And I, I, I listened back to it. I don't recall anything being alienating. But you like the sound oh, of your oh, own oh. voice, don't you? Because I listen to that podcast I've been on, and I enjoy my own voice. So I, I like the sound of my own voice. You, you just said you listened to it and watched it. No, so. I, do, I do it for the show. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. I don't. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah. Not narcissism no, like me. Okay. No, cool. I don't yeah. like the sound of my own voice. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No, Kale uh, listens back to here, and he's like, "Oh God, I suck. I gotta get better." You know. <laughs> it's like the, audio self-flagellation. Exactly. Yeah. The weird thing is, I never do. <laughs> um, or I get. I have to go back and refresh my myself on all my former takes. Oh yeah, I did say I that. Think this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, what it was was. Um, we talked for a long time about YouTube and the bullshit that YouTube puts creators through with the algorithm and everything. Mm. And at some point we had to cross over into comic books. <laughs> that's what, that's what was a- alienating. Got it. Okay. 
Well, uh, this next one comes from Garrett Harshman over on that same episode and said, screw a DC Marvel crossover. This is the crossover event I've been waiting for. I appreciate that, Garrett. Thanks for writing in. Thanks for listening. Uh, and then we got another comment. This one comes from Grayson Red, same episode. He said, crossover of the year. I'm, you know, people are loving suck this it, crossover. Suck it, Donny Cates. Yeah. <laughs> Never. Crossover by Image Comics. <laughs> this is the real crossover. No way. Uh, <laughs> so this, this next one comes from Gareth Fitzgerald over on our Moon Knight number one review, which was Tyler's debut as a, uh, a regular host here on the channel. So go check that out. Um, Gareth wrote in and said, hi, Pete. Yes, as a newbie when it comes to Moon Knight and uh, having given some of my other and given some of my other faves have been canceled lately, I'll be checking out more of this series. Cheers. So that was in response. We had had a little back and forth about uh, about the first issue of Moon Knight. They were into Moon Knight number one. Um, Tyler, I know you're you're a Moon Knight fan, right? You're really I'm a Moon Knight fan. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool seeing somebody jump on the uh, jump on the, the bandwagon there. Yeah, the more people read Moon Knight, the more Moon Knight I get. So it's beautiful, and I know perfectly uh, cool with it. I know Gareth uh, did subscribe and has, has checked out some other stuff. So thank you so much, Gareth. Uh, hope you're listening now. Appreciate the comment, and uh, yeah, we'll see you on uh, Moon Knight number two. All right. So then our last one uh, this week comes from our Spawn three twenty review, uh, which just came out last Wednesday, and this one comes from Kilgore Trout, uh, regular writer into the show who wrote in and said, I buy Spawn every month, but I honestly wish Todd wasn't the writer. Sorry, Todd. Not sorry, Todd. <laughs> yeah. That's why I don't read it. That's why I don't read it. Art, incredible. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal art. Uh, but Todd McFarlane has not changed the way he writes in four Not years. at all. <laughs> yeah. I literally read, like, one of the, I guess, the, the previous uh, big Spawn, you know, event book or whatever a couple years back. And then I read this uh, Spawn Universe uh, number one. And I was like, it's the same thing. Yep. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yep. That was kind of the thing that I think hit me when I read it, even when I was like a teenager and was like into edgelord shit and was like, I want to read like these weird edgelord comics. And I read like a volume of Spawn and was like, that was pretty good. And then I read another volume and I was like, okay, that's Spawn. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I shouldn't talk about Spawn because after our Spawn universe, mm-hmm. I just put I just put my foot right in my mouth, showed my cards of how little I know about Spawn. So I'm just gonna shut up about Spawn and move on. <laughs> so let's uh, let's jump into the pals pulls. So uh, Tyler this week has Suicide Squad get Joker number one. Yeah, so that's a I believe it's a black label book. If if I'm right here, I don't know. Let me let me just uh, do some on the fly. You said that uh, was research. Azarello, right? Surely yeah, that's so, a black label. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it's Azarello. Yeah, it's black label. Azarello and Alex Maleev with uh, Matt Hollingsworth as well. So that's Great a pretty, creative team. Pretty good creative team. And, and I guess this is the one that's going to uh, tie into, not tie in, but like help ride the 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 wave of the success of the movie. Sure. Um, and it, it's nice to see it kind of Azarello kind of do like this, this black label thing again. And, and judging by the, the, cover it looks like wild dog might be on this team and wild dog uh, he's a dude with the hockey mask and a hockey he's a uh, what's the ninja turtles guy casey, oh, jones. casey jones similar but okay. like in the dc right. universe he was in the uh, in like at least a, a season ago he was a character on arrow or or two seasons ago time doesn't exist oh, okay anymore, so okay i, don't know. I, know, I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about yep yeah, yeah. so another like 
real D-list character. Yeah. I, I will read, I've been reading Suicide Squad, I would say spiritually since Secret Six, even though that wasn't a Suicide Squad book, I feel like it was a spiritual successor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just a sucker for villain team books where anyone could be expendable, really. So yeah, throwing it uh, Azrael and Maliev and I'm in. All right. You also chose Sinister War number two. Yeah, um, I guess this tracks with what I just said. It's more <laughs> villains just teaming up. And so I thought this would just be like, oh, Sinister Six is back. But it turns out uh, it, it's uh, about five different iterations of the Sinister Six. Mm-hmm. Um, it sure is. It's a lot. It's a lot. But uh, I believe Bagley is doing it. Yeah, yep. he is. Um, and I, I'll... It doesn't matter what kind of Spider-Man book. If it's Bagley, I've learned to like just love Bagley doing Spider-Man. And I think the last like issue one was like four different splash pages. Uh-huh. That was like a Where's Waldo fest. So I really liked um, the first issue. Like yeah, I, I yeah. wasn't expecting a ton um, just because I think, you know, the um, the the Spencer ASM run, like I, I tried to get into it at the top and I just hit or miss. Yeah, yeah I, I just wasn't super into it. Um, but I don't know. We when we reviewed issue one, I remember. Um, I think it was Kale who had said like it just had the flavor of like a classic Spider-Man book. Like it <laughs> felt very, you know, of that that tone and that vibe. Um, and it, it caught me by surprise by how much I I enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to number two as well. Kind of like just turn your brain off a bit. Yeah, know? yeah. So and just yeah. watch like I don't know. There was some there's some good humor beats like getting to see your favorite Spider-Man. Here, villains, and then also some of the D and E listers. Yeah, like superior it. foes yeah. is in this. Yeah, it's fun. All right, so Kale, uh, you had Nice House number three. Yeah, that book's fucking great. Um, sure is. DC horror book. Uh, James Tinian. You can look up the rest else. of the creative team. I sure should have. We've uh, <laughs> we reviewed issues number one and two, so if you haven't checked sure out did. Nice House, definitely go check out our reviews of them. Uh, we've been really hot on it. Uh, artist is Alvaro Martinez Bueno. Perfect. Uh, and Jordi bueno, bueno. Blair. Yeah, uh, Jordi Blair, Blair and Colors. colors. Uh, two was harder to follow after the gap from one. So I'm hoping three will give us a little bit easier of a time. I'm still along for the ride, either way. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think it it hit the um the pace I think a lot of really good books do, where like if you have a really strong issue number one, issue number two is often where you like slow things down and start explaining things and like filling in some of the blanks and i kind of feel like that's what we did with issue two and issue one had so much character identification to go by Uh uh-huh um and issue two didn't quite keep that up yeah the fact that like every character has a nickname and a name is like a little hard to follow and a symbol yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i think that's a thing you'll we'll get we'll get used to as we go on with yeah um yeah i'm looking forward to that one too yeah, me too. Uh, Tinian's been killing it lately. So he's on a hot streak right now. Eisner, like. Eisner winner now. Yep. He won an Eisner, yeah, best writer. Good for him. Well deserved. Uh, and then you also had the Swamp Thing at number six. Yeah. So uh, this seems like it'll be sort of the second, the beginning of the second arc for this season of the Swamp Thing with Rom V and Mike Perkins. Uh, my my guess with the way things have gone is one through four was were kind of one one arc, sort of the introductory arc, and then we got issue uh, five with your obligatory Constantine appearance, <laughs> and now we'll continue on to the next thing. 
um, I'm really looking forward to what Rob V's got. Me too. Uh, I I really love this book. I think five was the one that <clears throat> I I think I was probably the least into. It was yeah. like a very self-contained story, and it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it it felt like it slowed things down a little bit. Um, I I'm definitely eager to see like if six is kind of like setting up threads for the the second half of of this story, you know. Um, but either way, it, this has been one of my favorite books of the year by a pretty wide margin. Um, so I'm very excited for number six. How about you, Tyler? Are you reading this? And I am. I'm uh, an issue behind, though. Okay. But I am reading it. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. I like it for what it is. Um, uh, I like Mike Perkins. I think there's a real moodiness uh, mm. that it brings to the art. So For sure. And Ron, Ron B. I mean, he's doing the, the Justice League dark backups, I believe, as well yeah. in Justice League, which is 10 times better than the actual book. Um. <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm cool with him playing around with that uh the the mystical part of the DC universe for sure yeah um yeah Ram V uh really really exciting creator uh we we had Ram on the show um I wish Marco was here to pull up what episode it was because that's what he always does when I bring stuff up but uh, go check out the interview we had with Ram um they were great guests and he he was like a super 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 interesting person to interview very insightful um. So I uh, I already called out I, I'm into like almost all the books that are on this list so far today. But I also wanted to call out uh, the Me You Love in the Dark number one by Scotty Young and Jorge Corona. Uh, that's a new book from Image. Uh, we will have a review for it on Wednesday. So uh, if you're not aware, we do Image Comics Image Comic Reviews day and date every Wednesday. Um, so go check that out, and you can hear our thoughts about that book over there. All right. So let's jump into the news. Uh, this we got. It's a lot of news this week. A lot of news, some of which, uh, I mean, it's all pretty big news. Some of it is big in kind of dumb ways, and some of it is big in really, really not fun ways. So we're going to run the whole gamut today. Uh, But let's just jump into it with, I think, probably one of the stories that uh, most people have seen this week because it was making some headlines, is uh, Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney over the release of Black Widow. So, um, you know, this is if you're not kind of familiar with the context, right, this has been kind of an ongoing discussion in the world of 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 Hollywood. Right. As you know, theaters have been closed as they're gradually opening back up, as we've kind of had these hybrid releases or these releases at home. um, There's been quite a bit of backlash uh, from the creatives in, in Hollywood, you know, from actors, directors. Uh, over their films being released in ways that, you know, they didn't contractually agree to necessarily. Um, An an example that I know uh, we've we've talked about a few times on this show, right, is that, you know, there's um, there's there's a rumor that Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot were uh, allegedly um, paid off to not speak negatively about the fact that Wonder Woman 1984 um, was going to be put out digitally. Because if you'll recall, Patty Jenkins had said that will not happen. It will come out in theaters. Like, that is never going to be the case. And then, of course, it was. Um, so, there, you know, there's been some some kind of conversation around it there. Like, you know, Christopher Nolan, uh, who works with WB, publicly uh, trashed HBO Max when they announced that they were going to be be doing this. So, um, you know, it's it's not... It's not exactly uh, a new story, but Scarlett Johansson kind of throwing her hat in the ring here. Um, I think it's something that it it has obviously brought a lot of attention to the issue, right? So um, it's it's been reported that there are a lot of other directors, you know, creatives, actors who are frustrated and who have been kind of waiting for 
the the wave of this action to begin that Disney and WB have have you know um, more or less like violated their contracts right by releasing these films. <clears throat> excuse me, by, by releasing these films in ways that um, cut actors out of money that is owed to them based on the box office performance, right? So uh, a star of, um, of, of Scarlett Johansson's caliber, right, uh, gets a percentage of, of what is earned at the box office, right? And you can imagine for her, right, where this is the last film... Uh, that she's playing as the character. This is her last swing at the MCU pinata, you know, to make definitely that... a last after this uh, this lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, you can you can imagine, right? Like wh- why she and her agents, who are tied up in this deal that is supposed to see her make a ton of money, maybe the only reason she came back and played the character again, mm-hmm. um, and then for it to have this happen, right? It's it's a clearly a violation of of their their contract. Um, and it's it. She's not the only one. Uh, Gerard Butler is also uh, suing the producers of Olympus Has Fallen uh, for for a similar issue. Um, so you can you can see that this is you yeah. know, AMC has publicly like attacked Disney over this. Like it's it. They're certainly not. Yeah, the, the dominoes are falling. It sounds like I think Emily Blunt and John Krasinski are uh, also in talks because of Quiet Place too. That I makes see, sense. Uh, yeah. Emma Stone as well for Cruella. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't heard about that one, but that makes sense. Um, so, you know, I, I, that kind of sets the table, right, for for what's going on. Um, I I wanted to kind of open the floor, I guess. Like, how do you feel that this this news and this kind of wave of of action could impact the future of? multi-platform film releases you know like we talked about this very recently um and marco has been very very vocal about the fact that like that's his preferred way to watch a movie he only wants to see a very you know small number of movies at an actual theater um but he'd much rather watch them at home and and just enjoy them that way um and i think you know obviously with with everything going on in the world and there being a hesitancy for people to get back to the theaters, especially as, you know, the Delta variant is now kind of making some of those things more dangerous. Um, You know, I don't think that, I don't think that Disney or WB wants to see those hybrid releases go away, but it seems like the people who make movies do. I don't think they're going away. I just think that it's, this is only really going to affect these movies. Uh, and maybe a couple other ones coming up soon. Going forward, this will be written into contracts, yeah, for sure. I don't think it's going away at all. You know, it's just it's just easier. Um, it's more accessible for a lot of people, um, and it also sells their streaming services, which is a good, a, a better source of steady revenue. Yeah, coming in, and then you know maybe just a summer of blockbusters, you know. Yeah, especially when you look at HBO Max, right, which was really struggling, and then saw yeah. a pretty big uptick after they made that announcement. Yeah, and as much as I love to, I love to, you know, debate of how, how all these rich millionaires gonna still keep making millions <laughs> of dollars, uh, just real relatable issues. Um, I can see how I would be pissed off, you know. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. You know, I'm with you, Tyler. Um, yeah, where that's concerned, right? Like, obviously, Scarlett Johansson is is one of the. She'll be okay. Yeah, yeah she's one of the wealthiest people in Hollywood. Like, she's you know, this isn't gonna break the bank for her or anything like that. Um, however, I have seen a lot of kind of that commentary, and it does bother me because people are like, "Oh yeah, millionaire Scarlett Johansson, like this is really gonna hurt her," and it's like, 
So what, you're stumping for Disney in this argument? Like, the billion-dollar corporation that could have easily renegotiated the yeah. contract? Like, yeah. yeah, they're still the asshole, you know? Like, <laughs> Was it your first day on the internet? Or <laughs> No, I know. It's just, you know. <laughs> but, but also, like, because of COVID, like, could you have even thought of this as a thing to put into a contract? Like... And maybe that's where it's 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 a bit of a an advantage taking advantage of the contract. Like, oh, it's not in here. We never even thought about yep. this. Let's just slide something in. Like, I don't even know like if HBO Max was even an idea back when Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four was even like started production. Developed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So how do you write something in that didn't exist in the first place? You know. So. Yeah, I I I think um I think that's definitely a, a good point that like with covid like it definitely disrupted you know the normal way that films are released and everything like that but i also think that like disney delayed this movie how many times yeah yeah you know if they had if they had decided that this was what they wanted to do why not renegotiate why not why not just open that dialogue to maintain a positive relationship with this person that you've worked with for 10 years I mean, it looked like for a while that they were waiting to just do a solo theatrical release for this movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think stuff with like, um, I guess Raya on the Last Dragon would have been the first premiere access Disney Plus film. And I guess that doing well, I think maybe a month later we got, all right, Jungle Cruise and Black Widow are also going to be doing in the summer. I think Um, I I think the thing that um, that particularly I I found frustrating um, which again like i think in this situation like i'm already kind of like yeah like disney did the wrong thing right like they yeah. breached a contract and like they shouldn't have done that but then they also made a public statement that i thought was like very very it really rubbed me the wrong way i'm going to read from it real quick but basically they they said that that her whole lawsuit was um you know was nonsense. They said, there's no merit whatsoever to this filing. The lawsuit is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Disney has fully complied with Ms. Johansson's, uh, Johansson's contract and furthermore the release of Black Widow on Disney Plus with Premier Access has significantly enhanced her ability to earn additional compensation on top of the $20 million she has received to date. So, I like, that additional compensation thing's kind of bullshit. Fuck that. It, yeah. yeah. It's they're 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 cutting into each other. Yeah. It's, it's not like it's I'm not gonna go to the theaters and buy it on Premier Access. Right. I'm not doing both. Like that's total bullshit. It's not yeah. an opportunity for additional compensation. It's an alternative form of compensation. And yeah. that's the problem because the margins on that are not as good. I, I you know, when I watched Black Widow, I paid thirty dollars to do it and I spent less than I would have if I had gone to the movies. Like, yeah. so that's less money in her pocket. And if I had had my friends over to watch it, then instead of each of us buying a ticket, it's 30 bucks for five people to watch it or, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. Like that's that's it's not the same. They're not they're not analogous. And to assert that they are is like is bullshit, frankly. <laughs> and then I think on top of it to be like to use covid Yep. As a defense yeah, to be was, like, yeah. like this, dangling that over. Yeah. This lawsuit yep. is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged effects of the global uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Like, are you fucking kidding me, Disney? Like, get that. Like, that is so like you're trying to weaponize a global pandemic to get out of like legal trouble in which you are totally at fault. Yeah. 
Sorry, I we mean, were trying to save lives, you know, like yeah. <laughs> trying is a pretty uh, funny way to put that. I don't know. That's been their whole jam. Yeah. One thing I, I think they neglect. I mean, obviously, they would neglect to mention it in their in their press release, but like piracy because yeah. it is digital. It's way easier to pirate on day yeah. one and not exactly. pay for yeah. it, which yep. is also going to eat into the fucking profits and it eats into all profits at that point. And. And also, I I think, like, just the icing on the cake is to say that uh, to, like, throw out what she was paid is extremely petty. Yeah. To be like, oh, well, we already paid her $20 million. It's like, yeah, well, that's what the contract said. That's what you agreed to pay her. And then she was also supposed to get a cut of the box office money. Mm -hmm. That's the whole fucking problem. Like, is that is that information not out there, though? I mean, it might be, but I think With, that I think saying it in the same statement where you call her lawsuit callous and yeah. all, it yeah. feels like you're like, oh, millionaire Scarlett Johansson needs more money. And it's like, you're fucking Disney. <laughs> like, you don't get to play that card, Disney. Like, yeah. that's not cool. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, there, there's one other question I wanted to throw out here that, uh, that I, that Sean put in the notes that I thought was an interesting question. He said, what must it have been like for Scarlett to do promo work on this film, knowing she might sue them after its release? It's called acting. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was yeah. like, yeah. damn, she's a great actress. <laughs> yeah. Great, great role. Great role. The best role I've ever taken. Pretending like- to like Disney. <laughs> But then, like, you have someone like Florence Pugh is probably in the same situation. But, like, does she then do the same thing when she has roles coming up? Like, yeah, when she's in a contract. Yeah, yeah it's she's different doing for her. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, know. So, like, like, I, I don't think Scarlett does this if it's not her last at bat. Agreed. At the yep. MCU. You know, yep. if there was another Black Widow movie that was going to come later, I think she would have. Yeah. Eating shit on this one for the chance of the payday later, right? I know I know Scarlett was set to executive produce the Tower of Terror movie for Disney too. So I wonder if this is kind of like saying fuck that, you know. I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's like worked with them for a long time. Like it always seemed like they had a fairly positive relationship. But I also, you know, you made the point, Tyler, right? Like if I was working with a company for 10 years and then they tried to fuck me out of money and then make me look like the bad guy. Like yeah, I probably yeah. wouldn't want to work with them anymore either. Not letting this dude fuck on me. I get you. Especially cause it's like, you know, like we, we said, right? Like she's Scarlett Johansson. Like she's one of the few bona fide movie stars in the world. She could get work with other studios or if she doesn't ever want to work again a day in her life, that's also probably a pretty yeah. good option for her. Yeah. Wes Anderson will come calling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. she could just yeah. do like whatever, Oh, yeah, cool. Like, I, I'm interested in this script. I'll work on that, right? Like, she's made her money. She's been playing Black Widow for 10 years. Like, yeah. yep. so, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see where the story goes. I'm, I'm definitely interested to see what the, where, where the chips fall and what this is going to mean for other similar deals and, like, how many lawsuits of this type we'll see come in the aftermath of this. But, you know, um, that's kind of the long and short of it for now. So, fuck Disney. <laughs> yeah all right so uh moving into the next story uh scott snyder has signed a a very very interesting deal with comiXology mm. um so basically uh he is going to be teaming with um a number of other pretty pretty major uh creators um where they're like yeah 
Yeah, like okay. I'll read some of the names. So we've got uh, Rafael Alba, Albuquerque, Greg Capullo, uh, Francesco, Frankie Avella, uh, Jamal Eagle. 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 Jock Tula Lote, Francis Manapal, and uh, Dan uh, Panassian. Sorry to anyone whose name I butchered. This is, of, this is the part of the show where I say people's <laughs> names wrong. Also, I also love Jock Tula Lote. That's a good one. Jock Tula Lote. Is that what, did I say it wrong? You sure did. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> Those are two separate people. Yeah. No, so I, Jock, I think I Jock just... Tula Lote is a, a famous French uh, acrobat. Um, okay. Helped helped <laughs> helped uh, lay the foundations for European wrestling. Love um, it. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so. I'm I'm reading a bit from the uh, Games Radar piece. So the, uh, Scott Snyder has signed what could be an eight deal, eight book deal with Amazon uh, subsidiary Comicsology and Dark Horse Books. Uh, the deal covers seven upcoming comic book series and one illustrated prose book Snyder uh, has written with his recently launched production company, Best Jacket Press. I really like that name, Best Jacket. <laughs> they better have good book jackets on those books. Or yeah, else right. It's all bullshit. So, <laughs> do you think that's what it? I think it's like a like a jacket, like a like a real jacket. I can't you imagine it's book jackets. You I think don't. it's just he's real proud of his jacket collection? Yeah. Okay. You think the enough. book will be like size enough so it could fit in a jacket pocket? That's a, or, uh, that's or, a good one. or I'm thinking or, too big brain. I think I don't know that might be. But yeah. does the book wear a sports coat? <laughs> I think that's I think that's the real question here. Out of all this, this whole article we're talking about, that is the question. Yeah, I love yeah. the idea that they are like pocket sized so that like <laughs> Tyler could start being like those uh, weird Republicans who will like carry around a po- like a copy of the, the Constitution. Constitution. <laughs> I love the Constitution. <laughs> so uh, we've got announcements of each of the books and, um, you know, some some kind of like quick descriptions of each of them we don't necessarily have to go through all of them but there are definitely some interesting things here um like we said he's teaming up with some real real like a tier talent um so the first one is called we have demons uh this is um him working with uh, greg capullo um this has got jonathan glapion on on anchor on inks and um it was compared or he compares it to spawn meets batman meets metal oh nope i'm out Yep, same. The quote out of control horror series follows a teenage kid who discovers a clandestine between good and evil involving secret societies and monsters. I think there's a missing word there, but yeah. Okay, so this is Dark Knight's Death Metal. (laughs) You ride that metal train, I'm out. This is literally the only one I'm actually not interested in. (laughs) Which sucks because Capullo's fantastic. It's just. uh, I kind of feel like I've seen Capullo. Uh, you know, uh, not that yeah, no, obviously not that he's not fantastic. It's just I kind of feel like between Spawn, the various metal album covers he's done, and Batman, I'm good. I get yeah, it. I get it. You just named Capullo's uh, uh, books. Oeuvre. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this next one is Barnstormers. Um, <clears throat> this one has uh, Lula Lo- Lote. How do you say it? Lula Lote? Lula yeah. Lote. Tula Lote. <laughs> Too low Too low um, so yeah this one is probably one i'm most excited for honestly um yeah uh, yeah so- it's a world war one period peace romance book with two little tan art like it, it could have snyder nowhere in this and i would be interested in it yeah I, i'm with you um the thing yeah it's it looks a, great. a high-flying adventure and the cover has uh two uh world war one biplanes on it Mm-hmm. I'm fucking. I'm in. <laughs> That's got Porco Rosso written all over it. That's my jam. Sure. 
Garth Ennis is fuming right now, though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is my thing. <laughs> uh, so this next one is uh, Book of Evil, and this has uh, Jock on it. Jock Tuli, Tululi, Lalo, whatever I said before. Uh, so then this is the prose book. Um, and uh, he he, it's described as a Stephen King-esque coming-of-age story following four adolescents living in a near future where most of humanity are born psychopaths. Ooh, I didn't realize this was prose. That does Where's the art that. come in? Uh, if, you look at, if you look prose. at the sample, okay. it has illustrations, but it's not. Oh, gotcha comic pages really oh yeah okay all right it's i'm di- fucking into this it's different yeah this looks cool shit yeah it looks pretty neat. uh so then we got a uh canary which is uh this one's dan Pan- panosian panosian there you go. Yep. okay there we go uh and it's it's described as a late 19th century western which has my attention yep. um love a good western and uh the, it's a horror series where a mind collapses onto itself and it's somehow tied into a dark substance found 666 feet exactly 666 feet underground yeah dude i'm in yeah that sounds great (laughs) damp and ocean is fantastic i don't remember anything with scott snyder like this this all seems to be scott snyder and friends um yeah but uh i don't remember panosian doing anything with snyder uh, which I'm fine with because I love Panosian. So surely he's done something. Eh, probably maybe looked, like an issue of All Star Batman that I forgot about or something. American Vampire, maybe. Mm. That would fit. The that one fit. page they show looks so good. Uh, the like the color work oh, is yeah, really baby. impressive. Oh yeah, baby. I'm into yeah. it. Uh, then we got a look at Clear. This which, is what I'm excited about. This is with Francis Manipal. Um, yeah, fucking is. Which uh, they were together on Justice League No Justice. Um, and this is a sci-fi mystery set in a strange future where everyone has a constant neurological internet connection. Oh. Which sounds <laughs> the, fucking awful. But <laughs> the, Yeah, the, the, the next line is, is sort of the end of the description. It says, as you can imagine, there'd be problems. Yes. <laughs> uh, Francis Manipal is easily one of my favorite artists. Oh yeah, um, I've been hot on him since uh, Flash from the New Fifty Two, and I can never get enough. It looks really cool. It's very yep. striking. Um, the colors are very, very dynamic looking too. It's got like almost like a um, like there's the shot on on the the one page of the dude on the bike, and it's like just like a white outline. Yeah, it's so fucking cool. Like it's very dynamic. It uh, it's got a very um. I know that specifically reminds me of like Tron, you know, like it looks like the light mm. cycle. <laughs> mm. um, I like how that's being used to like show movement. Um, so we've almost made it through all these. So we're just going to go through them. Uh, this one's uh, the next one's called Duck and Cover. This is the team behind American Vampire. So apparently it wasn't um, the other. That book's been going a long time, though. OK, uh, it's, it's mostly been Albuquerque, but I think there were like, yeah, I think there've been one shots, okay. and, you know, miniseries. Yeah. So this yeah. is, uh, as Tyler said, Raphael Al- Albuquerque is on this one. Um, and uh, this is uh, they, they said it's once again delving into history and America. It's a manga influence series, which is a throwback to the post uh, to is a throwback post apocalypse story set in 1955 America. So manga influenced it, right. it, it, you yeah. look at it. Um, like the character on the front cover looks like Archie, and then when you go to the second page, um, it, there's a kid who looks like Jughead. Like it definitely looks like it's like 
1955 story, the bomb drops and then everybody's surviving the apocalypse. So like I would imagine it's going to have some like pretty heavy like fallout vibes maybe, but we'll see. Uh, Archie fallout vibes. Okay. Right. It's like that sounds kind of great. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Dudley Datsun and the forever machine, um, which looks like an all ages book. Uh, and yeah, it says it's diving in headlong into the young adult section with this new series with uh, artist Jamal Eigel and Juan Castro. Um, it's it says it's about a boy, his dog, and a time machine. <laughs> this okay. looks like it has some heavy Kirby vibes. Like I'm getting like Commandi from this a bit, so. or like um, um, forever old, people, old like Flash Gordon. Yeah. Yeah, something that I think is interesting. Um, if you look at the second page, they have character descriptions for everybody, and the dog <laughs> says it's uh, day day Dallas day Dallas, and it says current form Belgian Manil uh, noise, which I'm guessing is the breed of dog, even though it looks like a German Shepherd. Um, but then it says abilities classified. And then it says, and Chemical Society dog tag, of course. So, first Damn, thing, what, it says... dog doing? It says current form, so I'm pretty sure this is not a dog, and that it can shapeshift. This is a this is a Rocky and... Uh, oh shit, what's it? Uh, it's a Rocky and Bullwinkle pastiche. There's a... Uh, 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 I have to look this up. There's a... Uh, <laughs> I should know a, this. There's a, uh, a, a cartoon in the Rocky and Bullwinkle... Um, Oh, oh shoot! Like in that pack of of cartoons. Yeah, um, it's not real smart talking uh, dog. Mr. Peabody, Peabody, and Peabody and Mr. Sherman. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One. Yep. That's what it is. Definitely. So it's Peabody and Mr. Sherman uh, done by Kirby in a way. Yeah. Uh, okay. Also, okay. the the main kid Dudley like looks like he like dresses like the, it's the '90s, and I appreciate that. Like he's got like a high top. <laughs> <laughs> kind of look like a little bit uh and i like that the one description they have is pockets filled with useful things <laughs> and funky buttons on vest <laughs> yeah I know, this book could be fun uh okay so we got night of the ghoul which um this one is uh uh francesco uh franca franca villa on this one as well hey have you ever heard People Francesco. pronounce anything. Francesco. You ever Francesco. Franca Francesco Francavilla. Francavilla. Got it. That one's Italian. I should probably be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um whatever. Grief. Kale, you know this is like your thing though, right? Like you say everyone's names wrong. God forbid I am putting getting put on the spot. I don't know. It, this Who's is grown out of it? What happened? Oh, you've grown out of it. You just you avoid saying people's it? names now. Go ahead. Yeah, Tyler. I do. I've grown out of it. Yeah. Next time you get it, next time you get something weird, I'll I'll butcher it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, yeah, buddy. Let me know. I'll I'll, I'll jump on the grenade. Uh, so this one has been teased in the past at um, some conventions and stuff like that, apparently. But um, this they describe this as their halcyonic Hollywood horror story about a lost film whose reels are said to be haunted. Hell Ooh. yeah, that's a fun idea. Yep. Yeah, definitely a fun idea. The uh, the color on this. The color work on uh, Frank Abia is looks fucking insane, top notch. Yeah, real good stuff. So, um, you know, I think this is definitely interesting, right? Like we we've expressed interest in in some or most of these series. I think it's fair to say. 
Um, several of these books are due out in October of this year uh, with more details to come. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think this is really interesting. Like, obviously, this could have some pretty serious implications on, you know, what comicsology looks like. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting for Dark Horse, too, because I, I mentioned at the top, Dark Horse is also involved in this deal. They're uh, playing the role of, of publishing the print editions, um, some as either like full original graphic novels. Okay. Some will be serialized as issues. Um, oh, interesting. yeah. So, I mean, like this is pretty interesting, right? Like comicsology obviously is, you know, a force in, in the comics industry. It's the place for digital comics, more or less. It's the diamond of the digital market. Yeah. Right. Essentially. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, when Comixology originals um, were first revealed, we talked a lot about how that could really be a pretty big deal for them. But it, it has never quite felt like it mattered as much as it could. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, absolutely no disrespect to any of the books that are Comixology originals. Mm-hmm. But I don't think a lot of them have been like breakout hits or have been the kind of book that like get the press that something like Scott Snyder signing an exclusive deal does, you know, that is probably true. Yeah. Like Chip Zdarsky's got a couple yeah. now and they're, they're good. Um, but this is absolutely huge. You're, you're right. And I think, I think this is a great move by, I mean, unfortunately Amazon, but, um, right. You know, to really bolster their, um, you know, service. Yeah, I mean, the sales of this will help build the next dick-shaped rocket. So, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, there was some there was some commentary from Scott uh, that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, he says this deal allows me the freedom to explore the kind of storytelling I've wanted to try for a long time, while supporting my need to try something that's that's not totally comfortable for me. Uh, and he expressed he had talked um, last year to Newsarama in 2020, saying that Best Jacket Press was about him entering, uh, quote, entering a new phase of his career with creator owned work after like 10 years of exclusivity with DC. So a um, couple other interesting little uh, tidbits is uh, Will Dennis, who worked at DC and Vertigo, is going to be the editor on all eight books. And he already okay. works with Snyder on Undiscovered Country, which is. Uh, and Noctera, um, and then another book that Sky- Snyder's working on called Chain. Um, so, I mean, Snyder's working on a ton of books right yeah. now. Like, and he's, dude is he, getting his friend's money, too, so, like, I can't I can't hate that. No, so. I mean, it's kind of yeah. fucking cool. Like, he's got, like, 12... Even his editor friend, you know? Like, yeah, like, he's got 12, 13 books out right now that, to you know, varying degrees are successful or are getting some attention. Um, getting to work with exactly who he wants to work with, right? Getting to put over other creatives that he likes working with that maybe don't have the same star power as he does. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And my favorite part of all this means that there's no more DC event books by him. <laughs> that is very true. So, yeah. Um, so uh, my question is, what do you, how, how do you guys feel about this? Right? Like, obviously this is going to make it where I, I think the ability for Scott Snyder to work on DC comics is going to be severely limited. Um, if, if not impossible, right. With yeah. all these books, does that, how do you feel about that? Like, are, are you excited by the idea of him not working at DC? Are you excited by the idea of picking up his books again? Because he'll be doing something creator own, maybe something a little bit more fresh. Um, I could care. I think he's told his stories at DC. Yeah. You know, 10 years uh, is a long time. 
Yeah, it's like it's like when Bendis was on his last legs at Marvel. You know, like nothing was really good by Bendis at that point. Um, guy kind of just felt uh, creatively uh, spent in that regard. Sure. Um, and you know, Snyder just finished his big death metal, heavy metal. What was it fucking called at this point? I don't know which Dark metal, metal was. Dark. It metal. was. Heavy, I think it was heavy metal and then death metal, right? Some some metal, some metal. And he, so that's a good way to go out, you know, with a bang. Um, and I'm reading Undiscovered Country. And really enjoying it. Like I, I enjoy Scott Snyder as a, as a writer most of the time. Hmm. Um, honestly, preferably on his creator own stuff. Like I do like yeah. witches and stuff like that. So yeah, um, I'm okay with this. And like literally every one of the artists that he got on these books are artists that I would go to, even if I didn't know who the writer was. So yeah, yeah, smart move. So even if you don't like Scott Snyder, like the art alone is like a good draw in and of itself. Sure. But and, and I also think each of these is different enough that surely there's something there yeah. for just about everybody he's yeah. even got a ya title in there like you know i think i think you know even though he's not on batman he can still do a ton mm-hmm. and he clearly is and i, I think this will be an incredible like writer showcase sure you know um i this is the dream you know? it is yeah and, and uh you know, I think it's it's interesting that that you uh, you made that point there, Kale. Right, where like <clears throat> I feel like with uh, with Undiscovered Country, right, we saw that 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 book sold really well uh, when it came out, and like I think Scott's a, a creator at at a point in his career where he doesn't really need to write Batman anymore. Yeah, you know, like he's a name. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so I think it makes sense for him to try to take this opportunity, and you know, um move on and, and do something new and, and like you said move on to the next phase of, of his career and you know um focus on on his own stuff his own properties so i think we all agree that this is like a cool announcement it's an interesting announcement it's it's a good one for scott and and for comiXology and dark horse i think um but how do we feel about like this like scott being the choice you know, like, do you think that, um, do you think that like this offer should have been extended to like somebody else, you know, um, you mean a non-white male? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> something that, uh, that, you know, um, that Sean put out, put in the notes here, right. Is like, you know, it was just at Comic-Con at home where Dark Horse had, had announced that they're no longer just, you know, straight white boy comics anymore. And then we have this announcement of we're putting out all of these books by you know one of the poster childs of straight white boy comic creators. Well, when um, the Am- Amazon money comes knocking, you know, I still don't quite get what that announcement was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's them trying to, you know, um, but was there anything attached? Like, yeah, in, in a vacuum, it's a weird statement. The, yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. That's all I've seen is well, like, dark dark horses declaring they're not for straight white boys. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I think so. To to answer your question, like I think it, it's something Sean always talks about is like you know Scott has the stories and the people he's bringing along with him are what will help make this diverse. You sure. know. How many, you know, he's got uh, Tula Lotes on there, uh, Francis Manipal. Jamal Eagle, yep. Yep, yep. You know, it's it's a diverse crowd. Um, and there's an effort, at least, at least a, yeah. a perceived effort. 
Um, and, and if, and if this is, you know, if, you know, the comics, Algae originals has to break into comics in a big way, do the old comic book thing and pick the old straight white dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if that's what breaks the door down and like more of these things can happen with different, you know, mm-hmm. creators and different, you know, artists and stuff, and then so be it. Would it have been nice? Yes. And, and luckily enough, like this straight, straight white guy is like, you know, he is a, a champion for that kind of stuff. He really goes the distance and tries to do his part. To, to bring other people in and to teach people and to, you know, get other people work to to um, to kick the ladder down. Yeah. yeah. You know, like yeah. like Tinian and uh, Marguerite Bennett kind of mm-hmm. flew under his wing a bit. So there are there, there's not not a straight uh, just straight white male. Mo- and, you know, those two. So on that list. <laughs> yeah. So I right. could I almost it could be good shit. I really, I'm on the show, aren't I? <laughs> one of us. One of us. <laughs> Yeah, I I think I think I, I uh, agree with with what um, with what you both are putting down in terms of you know um, like would it be nice to see that yes of course but I think that in the context of what we're talking about where comicsology is kind of trying to like make comicsology originals happen right they're trying to make that a thing um, I made the point at the top S- Scott Snyder signing an exclusive deal with them for eight books with an all star list of of creators um that's news you know that's big news that's news that people pay attention to and share and you know they'll buy these books they'll show up for these books because scott's a name you know um and do i wish that comics were uh you know maybe a little bit less like that sure you know like it would be nice if more people felt more bold about picking up new number ones from creators that they're not familiar with. But I think that comes back to the conversation we have about comics being expensive. Um, Buying a book from someone you've never heard of is a risk. If you know Scott Snyder and you like Scott Snyder, you're going to be more willing to pick up his work. And like, that's, that's okay. Like there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Um, You know, it, it is just like when only these kinds of people get these kinds of opportunities that it becomes, uh, I think like potentially a, a force for stagnation. Right. Like you want to keep elevating new voices. Um, But I think to sign like a massive exclusive deal, you want to do that with a star. Right. And Scott Snyder is a star at the right point in his career to make this move. Yeah. The issue isn't with comicsology. The issue is is with comics in general. Yeah. Right. There had been room for, you know, somebody else to become that big star. Then, yeah, I'm sure, you know, Amazon or comicsology would be knocking on their door instead. Mm -hmm. You know, so. yeah, I guess until we fix comics as a whole, this is just was just bound to happen. So yeah, and I think to your to your point, Tyler, um, this being successful opens the opportunity for other people to get yeah, similar hopefully. deals. Yeah. So hopefully, we'll see more of that as as time progresses. All right, so let's jump into uh, the next story here. The Suicide Squad uh, has has been getting some advanced reviews, and um, critics are really really liking it. Uh, there's there's a lot of positivity uh, coming out uh, around the film already, which is which is awesome. Um, you know, I, I probably not the biggest surprise, right? Like people know that James Gunn can deliver um, a solid movie, and I think a lot of people have been thinking this would be kind of like the first, um, you know, the first like good one, right, in a long time, or maybe ever, depending on on how you feel about some of the movies in the past. So. 
where 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 is your excitement level at for this movie i guess to start it's very imminent and lately that is odd for me like movies come out and i'm like <laughs> oh that came out yeah time doesn't exist you know yeah like yeah. so i don't i don't feel like i have hype for it necessarily but i'm very confident that i'll enjoy it i like james gunn's films a lot for the most part yeah i'm i've seen, I'm, I've, I've seen it so uh oh you I'll, saw it already yeah yeah it came wow. out uh, on yesterday here in the uk oh really spoiler free yeah. reaction yay or nay big yay Oh, okay. big From Kale, that's fucking big. Yeah, it's, <laughs> um, that's a that got through the jadedness of, of everything. Yeah, so it, it really, it did. I, I, uh, similar, I think, to what Pete was saying. I uh, was sort of middle of the road on this one. I went in, you know, kind of meh. meh. Um, I've only I'd only seen the trailers um, when we record the show, and because of that, I never got to see them with sound. So I never really got to even see the trailers. Um, but this film, I think, disarms you really quickly. And it does it really well. Yeah. Um, I think it, it does suffer from some of the James Gunn, some of the James Gunniness. But if you like that, you'll, you'll be into it. Here's the one spoilery thing I'll say, and it it won't even be a spoiler. The thing you want to happen, and this could mean anything. I mean it for a very specific thing. I know what it is. <laughs> the thing you want to happen happens five minutes in. Don't even worry about it. Okay. Don't even worry about it. Okay. I know I know what that is. I won't spoil it for you listeners. <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a big James Gunn fan. Like I've liked Super. I'm a big I like Super oh, as a movie. Super. Yeah. yeah. Super is a fucked up movie. It's so fucking dark. So like when I was like, oh, he's doing Suicide Squad? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's see what he can do. Um, um I'm actually you're never gonna believe this. I'm actually kind of excited to have the review conversation too. Interesting. Uh, wow. I, I might actually go to a theater for this. Genuine, Although that whole that, Delta you, shit is is do you want to sit on the review, Tyler? You should come review it. Uh, yeah, it depends on what it is. Cool. Um, oh wait, I'm not doing anything next week. I'm home alone. Yeah, What's up, let me know. Party, baby. Let me know. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, seeing it in the theater was a blast. Highly recommend it. Wear your mask. Do whatever you got to do. If you can see it in the theater, do it. Your boy likes popcorn, so yeah. I don't know. I need to get like a popcorn really, efficient mask. I really miss going to the movies. I would love to go to the movies. Dude, I'm having this conversation with like Matt and my other friend, my other friend Kevin. They're like, nah, man, I love watching stuff at home. I'm like, I I just can't. I get yep. distracted. Yep. I I don't like that. Uh like if I watch my fiance, she could she could be like, Can you pause it? I w- we were watching the jungle cruise last night, which uh uh-huh. first off, really fucking good. <laughs> Was it? Oh my god, cool. Yeah, it's like right. it's like a national treasure mummy. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean it's I'm got that flavor that. and the rock is just charming as shit uh, but like the fact that she could be like hey can you pause it real quick drives me wild I'm I not gonna that. say no I know I'm not gonna say like there's a there's a moratorium on pausing we're gonna simulate the the, <laughs> the movie theater experience no I'm so glad you brought that up because I had the I have the exact same problem and it's the thing that makes me not yeah. like it as much like I I don't mind watching a new movie at home really um, I have a really like, you know, I have a really big TV. So like it's yeah, turn the yeah, lights same. off. It's it's all right. It's close enough. 
the thing that bothers me is that it it doesn't have that level of like intimacy and like the social yeah. contract of like the, shh, exactly. the movies yep. on cuz yeah. like I had a moment where when we were watching Black Widow um where my fiance uh like she was she like asked me a question and I was like please save all questions until the end of the showing <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> see we like I I can go on my phone and look something up in like in a theater I cannot do that yeah, yeah. I mean, I can, but I'd be a dick. That's the, I yeah. just like to adopt that attitude when I'm watching a movie of like, everyone put your fucking phone away. Like, we're going to turn the lights off. We're going to watch the movie. If, you, if you're yeah. going to piss your pants, I'll pause it. But otherwise, shut no, up and watch the no, movie. No, hold that in, too. There's a, that's part of the experience. Hold that shit in or you're going to miss something. Your call on that one. There. Always miss something. Uh, for me, I just, I, and I was talking about this with Jess. I was just like, after seeing Black Widow, I'm hungry to go to the the movies again. Yeah. Um. So getting to go see Suicide Squad, and then I was hoping to go see The Green Knight. Uh, oh, I might see that today. Actually, yeah. they uh, yeah, they delayed the release here again, so I can't do that. But I really they delayed the Green Knight release in the UK. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> because COVID is bad here again. Was their reasoning? Yeah. So I don't know where the fuck they get off. I think they yeah. think that movie's gonna make like a ton of money in the UK, so they're like, we gotta hold it. <laughs> Maybe, but uh, yeah, I'm real bummed. Uh, but if you can see it in the theaters, it's absolutely worth it. Um, it it's incredible. I'm really excited. Uh, you saying that uh, now, I feel hyped. Like you got me there because you yeah. ate everything. And when you <laughs> like something, the nicest thing you say about it usually is, eh, "It's all right." It's pretty good. I genuinely had a really good time. I've heard you say that a thing that you rated an eight out of ten was quote eh, pretty good. <laughs> so for you to say that this is great, I'm like this must be a twelve. Like <laughs> this is fucking right up there with Citizen I mean, Kane. <laughs> it's still it's still like a nine out of ten, but like <laughs> for you that I, I did I had a really good time. I'll take it. So, uh, couple couple questions. I want to ask y'all uh, with the context of this film. So we know this the deal for this movie, right, came in a weird time, right? Like James Gunn signed on to produce this movie uh, during that, you know, kind of falling out with Disney and, you know, all, that, all the drama that kind of spun out from, um, you know, a bunch of uh, crazy right-wing people digging up old tweets he had already copped to when he signed with Disney in the first place, right? Yeah. Um, that's all obviously kind of been, like, squashed, and we know he's working on a Guardians 3. Um, he said he doesn't have plans for, you know, mo- movies beyond Guardians 3. What do we think happens if this movie's, like, a major success? Like, if this movie, you know, uh, is a critical darling, it makes money, like, do we see... D- James Gunn like working with DC more do we see him wanting to do a sequel for this movie even though like Margot Robbie has said she wants to take a break from playing Harley like what where, where do you guys see this kind of netting out from here I mean I think Suicide Squad in general is a good vehicle especially with HBO Max like look what they're doing with Peacemaker like you introduce yeah. a character then you can do a TV a TV series about it, it could be a one season TV series it's like a, a good pipeline for this stuff and if it does well, just keep introducing new characters. You know, just I, I think the thing with James Gunn specifically, though, is that, and we talked about this last week, was uh, he? It doesn't sound like he's crazy to do superhero movies anymore. 
either. Sure, yeah. I think he's getting a little burned out with it as well. Um, yeah. You know, and that, that could be, you know, we talked about various reasons for that and ways he could potentially mitigate that. But sure. end of the day, he may just want to make a romance movie. I mean, he is doing two more Guardians things too. Yeah. Yeah, there's he's got the, the Christmas thing too. And I think he's yeah. filming the stuff for the ride at uh, Epcot. Oh, too. okay. Yeah. So he's working on it for a while yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, he may he may just bounce unless the money's good enough. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, like I wonder if maybe there are other properties he's interested in engaging with, you know, that like they could throw him. Um because I feel like that's really where he shines, right? Is like working with characters that nobody cares about so he can do something original, even though it is playing in somebody else's playground. Um Was it him was it him that did uh was it Brightburn? No, I don't think it was him. No, I think he produced it, and it was maybe someone related to him. Yeah, um, I I feel like maybe like it was his brother or something. Like Brightburn is the uh, the horror Superman take. It's written by Mark Gunn and Brian Gunn, who I think are his. How many guns okay. are there? Jeez. Brothers, maybe. Directed by David Yaroveski. Yeah, and he was he was a producer on it. So I mean, if if he could just do what I guess Ben Affleck wanted to do, where like you do superhero movies that then fund your the the stuff you actually want to do, like not the worst gig ever. I mean, that's the know? thing is, I definitely think he actually wanted to do this and has enjoyed it. But like, I also see where Kale's at, where it's like maybe he wants to do something smaller from here on. Maybe he's gonna want to pivot and. Because, like, I don't know, I, I feel like he really puts his heart and soul into these movies, and I think that's why yeah. people respond to them, um, is that, like, they are, like, Guardians, right, was, like, the first example of a movie in the MCU that was, like, yeah, it's the house style, but it's also really fucking weird and, like, yeah. got its own thing going on, and, like, mm-hmm. I think he thrives in that environment, you know, if you can give him... Um, stuff that people aren't precious about, you know, like, I don't, I don't know that he's going to make a Superman movie. Right. But like, you know, I think there are a lot of characters I could see him doing interesting things with from here on out um, in either camp, if that's what he's interested in doing. Um, But I think at this point, the world's kind of his oyster, right? Like the dude has proved he can make fucking blockbuster movies for pretty much any age range. So I think whatever, whatever he feels like doing next, I'm excited to see. Hmm. So uh, before we jump into our main topic, we got one more story here um, that is kind of uh, the latest on an ongoing um, development about DC and uh, them kind of working with Walmart and trying to expand the the YA market there. Um, so we got another uh, another update there where they're they're kind of deepening that relationship uh, with them where. Um, it's, it's called My First Comics, which is a program that's going to be launching in 500 different uh, Walmarts and also available on walmart.com. And um, the, the reasoning behind this is, you know, and, and again, we've talked about this a couple of times, so you've probably heard us reference some of these things, but uh, um, Dave Pilkey's uh, Dogman, right? And if you're our age, you probably know Dave Pilkey is the creator of Captain Underpants, um, is like constantly making... Uh, just headlines for how much it sells, right? Uh, in the Games Radar article we're referencing here, um, the most 
the latest volume of it is called Mothering Heights, and it sold over 900k copies uh, in four months since it released. So that's insane, right? Like that's clearly uh, a huge, huge market that exists. So DC uh, is is citing that as the reason that you know this is the fastest growing uh, market that they can kind of get in on and. Um, the, what what they're kind of doing to throw their hat in the ring here is um, they've got two volumes that are going to launch the My First Comic program, which is My First Comic Batman, which uh, is obviously you know, obviously a Batman story. Um, Batman being DC's you know most popular character, uh, and then uh, My First Comic Space Jam: A New Legacy, which oh. is you know obviously tying into the the new Space Jam flick. Yeah, Batman and Space Jam: The Two Genders. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so uh, the I thought this was interesting. the The Batman story is is mostly going to feature stories from DC's uh, Batman Adventures series, which is like told in the style of the Batman the Animated Series cartoon. So it's yeah, kind it, of aping yeah. that art style. Um, if you take a look at at the pictures that they've shown, the, the previews, and and there are either I think the ones they, the stories they mentioned have been the more recent like Ty Templeton stories, but yeah. also they mentioned Dan Slott, which I think he did that back in like the nineties. Yeah. yeah, it says uh, the debut so. issue will have No Asylum by Ty Templeton and Rick Burchett, uh, Terry Beatty, and Lee Lowridge, and then Who Am I by Dan Slott uh, with Templeton. Yeah, that's an old that's an old story. If yeah. I remember that correctly, yeah. Um, so yeah, it seems like they're they're repackaging self-contained stories from other releases and kind of making it like an anthology series that you can you know uh, use yep. as an inroad for kids with these kind of more self-contained stories. And then the Space Jam one's going to have three original stories about uh, Bugs, Daffy, um, Bugs and Daffy who are taking on the roles of Batman and Superman in Bat Bunny versus Super Duck, uh, which is making fun of Dawn of Justice apparently. Um, Whoever and then, wins, we lose. Yeah, and then there's a Wiley e. Coyote Roadrunner story, and then um, another one with Bugs and Marvin the Martian. So very, uh, very interesting. I mean, not not surprising. I don't think, right? Like as we've said, this is a an emerging market, and it's one that is clearly making a ton of money if you can get in it at the right time. Um, and DC's already seen success with this in Walmart. So the idea of them kind of like doubling down and trying to make um, more inroads for new readers and more like jumping on points for the uninitiated makes sense to me. I would have eaten this up as a kid. You know, these were the kind of books that I read when I got into comics. I, I might want to read a Space Jam book. <laughs> there you go. Like. Also, like it's a Space Jam book, but it's really just Looney Tunes stories. Like, is that what they're calling Looney Tunes from now on? I don't know. But it might be. That might be the only way to get Looney Tunes across to the kids now. <laughs> I know. Um, and I, I mean, if it works, works. I don't really have a Walmart near me, so it doesn't really. Yeah. I don't even really think I can easily check out myself. Walmart.com. I guess. I mean, uh, maybe. I feel like these things would go fast, though, if they're even on Walmart.com. So. Walmart used to have a big book section, like when I was. They a kid. still do. That's where I. Do Some they? of them do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it depends on this on the Walmart, I guess. But yeah, the, no. the ones I've been to, like in other states and stuff, uh, it's a pretty like I've seen like the comic book, like uh, standees that they have and stuff. They have those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think wow. um, depending on where I, you are, I think I've seen them for like Red Rooster comics, which I think is like a uh, Brightweisers sort yes. of thing. Yes. Yep. Um. 
which I've seen those there. And I, I never, I've never seen the DC Walmart stuff in, in, in the wild. Me Outside of like main comic book stores who have then got it and are reselling it for a bigger price. Um, I feel like I've yeah. seen the boxes for them. Oh, I've seen plenty of boxes for them. But they're yeah. always gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, guess what? Kids aren't picking those up. <laughs> there are just collectors picking them up Adult from, from what I say. Yeah. <laughs> like Pokemon cards. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, if, if it works, cool. I mean, I, I think, I think the better option is what they've been doing with their DC's been doing with their like YA novels and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think like, like the, uh, the Piccolo books that have come out with like Beast Boy and Raven. Like, I think mm-hmm. those are, are great. Yeah. And if this could be the bridge to that, sure. Yeah, I could see this appealing to, like, an even younger crowd, you know? Like, yeah. I could see this being, like, an impulse buy, like, you know, um, <clears throat> I, I remember getting things like this as a kid, yeah. right? Like, and this has uh, coloring book pages in it, too. Like, it has, like, activities and stuff in it, so, yeah. Like, I, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I could easily see this being the thing that, like, you're, you know, you're at Walmart, your kid's there, kid's mm-hmm. bored, you know? Oh, okay. My first comic, perfect. Here, read this Batman book. Like, Shut up. <laughs> yeah start a lifelong obsession yeah i guess it, yeah i guess i just i wonder you know they're gonna have to put the product out like really put it out you know what not like those magazines because from what i remember the comics would be in like two spaces like collectible spaces of walmart which I don't really yeah. think many kids are going to. That's like like uh, NECA toys and stuff like that. And like the one-up arcade machines are around there. So like it's kind of in the back of most stores. Huh. The other place I've seen the comics is like with like the Pokemon cards and stuff like that. Yeah, so that, that I think that's a better spot too. Yeah. I've seen some stores where they like the more like book style ones are just with the books too. So it's like, yeah. you know, they, they kind of break it up depending on like the format of the book too, depending on the store. Hmm. Which makes sense, yeah. I think. Yeah, my my point being, like, they're going to have to give every Walmart, like, a ton yeah, mm-hmm. um, so that this other mess doesn't happen. I feel like the move with this would be to just throw it, like, I, most Walmarts are like this, where they have the collectibles are, like, right near the checkout, so yeah. that, like, it can be an impulse buy. Like, I think that's what you need to do. Like, you want this to be in the same way that, like... You'll go to like a Walmart or a Target and they'll have like those DVD, not DVDs, it's Blu-rays now. But like, you know, like it's all here. It's like, yeah, like the, the end caps at the cash register. Yeah. yeah. It's like buy the Spider-Verse to. DVD. It's on sale. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, sure. <laughs> like I used that, to put the, the Archie's Double Digest in there. That's yeah. I think that's the way you, you really put a book like this over, yeah. you know, like make it a that thing that sense. like, you know, little little Timmy or Susie or whoever can fucking see it as you're leaving and be like, please, like. I want this. I love Space Jam. I love Batman. Shut up. Here's a quarter. There you go. So yeah, I uh, I think this is smart. Um, I this is definitely an initiative from DC that I, I I'm supportive of. I think the best way to get uh, hobbyists introduced to something is you get them while they're young and you make it uh, <laughs> connected to the only happy memories that they have. And there you go. <laughs> The old-fashioned way, where I found my dad's uh, Uncanny X-Men comics and got introduced to Gene Gray. That's that's what you do. The old-fashioned way. Yeah, the old-fashioned way. Boy, that could have gone a very different direction. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a wrong box away from just being. That's... Oh, the wrong <laughs> box. Where was like, that title six years ago? The, the wrong. Uh, we had other titles for other shows that I will not discuss <laughs> on the show. Oh boy. 
So uh, pivoting from that very light story, uh, we're going to head into our main topic, um, which is which is a heavy one. So um, Thought Bubble is a major uh, comic book convention over across the pond in the UK. Uh, Kale's attended it several times, so I'm sure you'll have plenty to say about this story. Um, and they, they made headlines this week with uh, Frank Miller being uninvited to the event. Um, which, you know, f- we'll get into all the context of why, but um, obviously there were a lot of feelings about that uh, on both sides of the fence for this one. So uh, we'll jump into all that right now. So, Kale, I do have a question. Um, since you've been to Thought Bubble, mm. how would you describe the vibe of, of that kind of convention? It's uh, always seemed like a more indie thing than... Uh, yes, very yeah. much uh, a UK indie market. Yeah. Um, I think I was there just, um, I, I went in 2013 and that was very specific because, uh, that was the year Gillen and McKelvey got big, big with young Avengers. Okay. And that's like their home convention. Um, and then I think, the year after that or a couple of years after that was when Comixology came and really started bringing in the big, big guests. Uh, but yeah, mostly indie creators, Very, uh, they really try to focus on creating a very um, welcoming environment. The staff is always um, crazy helpful, always highly, highly praised for the way they handle situations and things. Um yeah, it it always felt like a like a, a not, it was like comics first sort of convention. Yes, very uh, much so. Very much so. Not a a giant commercial clusterfuck like a like a New York or a San Diego Comic Con. Yes. Yep. Um, very so, much so. So when Frank Miller was even announced for it, I was like, oh, well, interesting. So they you know they have big creators like uh, a couple of years ago they had Gerard Way. Okay. Um, and famously, they <laughs> weren't prepared for the amount of people that turned up for Gerard Way. Yeah, uh, my Chemical Romance fans. That was mostly it. Uh, yeah. Teen- teenage goth girls uh, got in a fight because they couldn't meet him or something, and it was a whole thing. Um, I have a, a friend whose wife worked um, – I, it wasn't security, but she was, you know, staff. and, and Line management, <laughs> I guess, would be the, yeah. the next best, yeah. They had to – pull these girls apart and uh, the thing is like that year they had taken over like the lead city square and had great big tents in mm, several okay. parts of of the the town square and they had to like escort them out of that part of town oh my god <laughs> but even like gerard way even like yeah he's a big name but like in terms of comics kind of an indie guy i mean sure, there, I there yeah. are a lot of other like names of that size or like slightly bigger like even just looking at the list for for this year of, of like the folks that are, are confirmed to be going um i mean the first several lines of people are all you know fairly well-known names but like you do have a few big stars like you've got um joel jones you've got uh scott snyder babs tar gail simone um yeah. james tinian rom v like g willow wilson you know um, there's David Aya. There's like a lot of folks there that are, you know, I would say in that upper tier, if not maybe 
you know, like S rank, like a Frank Miller, but like Scott Snyder is, is there, sure. you know, Gail Simone's yeah. there. Yeah. But like Frank Miller is like, you know, legendary. Like a, yeah. Mount, Rush, Mount Rushmore yeah. status. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. sure. Yeah. Of course. Um, so to, to contextualize the story a little bit here, I'm, I'm going to be pulling from an article from comics beat by uh, Dean Simmons. Love so, comics beat, by the way. Yeah. Very, shout out to comics good. beat. Thanks for Love the work. Uh, so this, this, uh, came just uh, two days ago now was when they dropped Frank Miller uh, from the guest list. So um, I'll, I'll read from the article a bit. It says, Thought Bubble, one of the UK's leading comic shows, has announced that Frank Miller will no longer be a guest at this year's show. Comes after a two-day uh, period, two period of outcry on social media following short box publisher... Um, hey, you know what? Tyler, this is your turn. You want to... Okay, wanna... yeah, yeah. Where, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> you want to read know. his name? <laughs> where is it? Let's see. I'm on the comic speed thing. I think I actually got it, but uh, ooh, I think it's a uh, Zainab Akhtar. Am I... I believe I believe it's Zainab. Zainab Akhtar. Okay. Yeah, definitely got Akhtar right though. So, um, so yes, Zainab Akhtar's uh, statement that the festival had failed to address her concerns regarding Miller's past Islamophobic work and Akhtar's uh, subsequent withdrawal withdrawal of support from the show. So there's um. A rough timeline of what happened. I don't, you know, I don't know that we need to go through the entire uh, series of events, but essentially, um, on on June second was when Thought Bubble announced its second guest lineup, which was when uh, Frank Miller, you know, was announced as as a guest, um, and at that point, um, you know, there wasn't like a major. You know, it, it, that that didn't really, like, rock the boat right away, you know. Um, but it says here, uh, following Thought Bubble's announcement of Miller as a guest, it appears some other exhibitors, including Octar, immediately issued private complaints and reservations to festival organizers about having Miller as a guest, citing his past Islamophobic work and seeing his presence as inviting a racist element into the safe and inclusive space that the Thought Bubble has vocally claimed itself to be. Allegedly, a process of discussion and consideration of the complaints took place, but on Monday, July 27th, Thought Bubble chose to side with keeping Frank Miller, likely assuming any controversy would blow over, as none had occurred publicly at that point, uh, at the initial announcement, or up until this point, excuse me, um, and that the big ticket draw of Miller would provide a vital financial lifeline after the pandemic lockdowns and cancellations last year. And then in response to that, that was when Octar, you know, made her kind of... Um, public statement on Twitter, which was just a few days ago now. And that was kind of when uh, she announced that she was going to be withdrawing and, and boycotting Thought Bubble. So I'll read her statement. Hmm. Um, so her initial statement was, Hello, everyone. I'm sorry to inform you that Shortbox and I will no longer be attending Thought Bubble Festival this November. I was invited as a guest in 2020, which rolled over to this year. I've been excited to attend, represent my authors, and share our books and with readers after almost two years of no conventions. However, as a proud Muslim woman, I cannot in good conscience attend a festival that deems it appropriate to invite and platform Frank Miller, a person who is responsible for the propagation of abhorrent anti-Muslim hate, particularly via his work. Anti-Muslim bigotry is repugnant and condemnable, yet has become so deeply rooted, so widely accepted in society, that it is not even given a cursory consideration, as evidenced once again in this situation. I cannot comprehend how time and time again festivals and communities within comics espouse values regarding inclusivity, diversity, comics being for everyone, in quotes, zero tolerance on hate, but all that lip service evapor evaporates when they are asked to enact those same values. 
And then she also quote tweeted that and and offered a clarification later that same day where they said, uh, for clarity, I contacted Thought Bubble about this privately eight weeks ago. After discussions, I was assured action would be taken. This week, it has been communicated to me that I am the acceptable loss. Repercussions to my career slash income over repercussions to theirs. So, obviously, uh, a, a strong statement from uh, from Oktar there, and that wasn't um, that wasn't where things ended. Uh, so after that. There were, you know, uh, fans, friends, you know, creative uh, peers who, you know, rallied around her her uh, her decision to do this, and you know, and and basically, um, it it became a a pretty big narrative, right? Of like Thought Bubble is choosing this problematic, you know, uh, legendary creator uh, over. This you know um, independent publisher who that is run by an Islamic woman, and you know that that flies in the face of the values that Thought Bubble you know claims to to hold dear, right? Mm-hmm. So with more threats of boycotts uh, and withdrawals coming, um, they announced uh, a follow up uh, the next day and said that Thought Bubble. Um, Oh, they, they provided a statement, and I'll, I'll read that statement here. Um, we don't have to read the whole thing, but they, they have kind of like the Twitter boil down. Uh, they say, over the last 14 years, Thought Bubble has grown into an amazing community of comic creators and fans who we love, trust, and respect. We have let you down, and in our commitment to maintaining Thought Bubble as a safe space for all, we have fallen short. We exist to share the art form and its worlds with people. If any individual group or community feels uncomfortable or excluded from our show, then we failed. We know that many of you are disappointed in us, and we have been expecting uh, and have been expecting a comment on this before now. We are sorry for our silence while we have been trying to fix this. Frank Miller will not be attending Thought Bubble. We are dif- deeply sorry, particularly to those who we should ha- uh, should be standing up for the most. We hope that you can give us the opportunity to make this better, and we thank you for holding us accountable. We know there is still much more to discuss, and we will be replying to those who have been in touch. We hope you can bear with us while we do this. We won't let you down again. Yours team thought bubble so there's some more details we'll probably get into here and there throughout as we engage in the story but kale i want to give you the first word on this uh now that i've set the table (laughs) i know uh you have been to thought bubble you have a relationship with the show um it's a show that you've you know loved and championed in the past um how does how does this story make you feel how does the choice that they've made feel? And then how do you feel about the kind of walk back and response of things? I mean, the whole thing sucks. I mean, there's no way around it. Um, this Thought Bubble doesn't often make moves like this. Um, but, but when they do, like, man, it's it's tough. Um Zineb is and and the short box is a a staple of Thought Bubble and has been for a few years, um, and she has built uh, short box to be a um, a powerhouse in in the indie UK comic scene. Um, they started as a um, a mail service where uh, you you know you do a Kickstarter and then you're mailed five to seven indie books. 
and that's just grown and then you know they can sell them at at thought bubble um the thing is like i think thought bubble was at just an impasse and i think you know the reality of it is like they had to choose between Frank Miller coming in and potentially bringing them money or alienating a successful indie creator that frankly they ha- they have helped bring up to to a certain extent you know I'm sorry I certainly don't want to take away from Zinabe and, and Shortbox's success but you know they they have a lot of success at Thought Bubble um and you know I if you ask me, I mean, they made the wrong choice. You know, they chose to try to get Frank Miller. The The problem that I see, uh, you know, aside from Zineb's comment about um, them being the, you know, the, 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 the safe space that they proclaim to be, my problem is that in their walk back or their, you know, their apology or whatever, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like anything. It doesn't, you know, they say Frank Miller's not invited. Uh, we're, we're trying different things, blah, 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 but it never like it. I don't know. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't read like we're listening. We're sorry. Um, we understand the complaints. It like, if what it, it weren't sorry can i just like synthesize what i think you're, you're like it felt like where when the money with, with that they would have gotten for frank miller um and then the money that people actually protesting was more than what they would have gotten for frank miller is when they actually made the choice it was just a money move it was what yeah, it felt yeah. like well, right. like the, that, the scales tipped in the wrong way yeah even that it doesn't even seem like like if you just read that statement alone, it doesn't even seem like that was the choice. Like it could have even been that, oh yeah, Frank Miller couldn't make it. He was worried about COVID or whatever, you know, which is a valid, you know, would also be a valid reason. But sure. my, my point, my point is like, it's so vague. You think so? It doesn't... I mean, they say we're deeply sorry. They say particularly to those we should have been standing up for. We, you know, we won't let you down again. Like I, I'm not necessarily, um, disagreeing with you that I, I i think that the money move point is valid uh, more yeah. just like you you feel like the like the actual announcement isn't owning up to it enough yeah interesting i think yeah i don't feel like they i i feel like they should say why he i why either why he was uninvited or why he's not coming i i I think I could agree with that. There is the full statement. There's okay. a possibility that there is additional context in the full statement. Well, if you want to take a look at that, but um, I thought that was the full statement. So that's as I mentioned. You can see the the tweet that they put out. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. you can read the full thing on. They have a blog post about it. Um, uh, it looks like it's the same thing. The only thing added is refund policies. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my sort of um, trying to see both sides from thought bu- thought bubbles um, point of view. You know, I think I I think they had a hard choice, and they didn't stick to their 
mission. They stuck to what they wanted to do in the meantime. And, and that's obviously just, you know, my perception of it, but um, they just made, they just made their own call yeah. and they were in a hard position that was, you know, going to hurt them one way or the other. What about you, Tyler? Where, where, where are you at with this story right now? Um, I think, I think COVID definitely puts a, a, a wrinkle on all this, especially when it comes to the money. And I don't want to like, just keep harping on the money aspect of it, but like someone like Frank like- Miller, uh, just, just the, the collector's market in general would, would sell tickets there, you know, yeah. Uh, dis- not to disregard, but disregarding his the actual content of his work, especially his more recent work, um, just as a name, it's a huge get. Selling yeah. tickets, selling, you can sell the autographs. You can sell photo opportunities, you know. Yep. Um, from a business standpoint, on paper, it looks like a good move. It's like, all right, here's a good way to recoup a lot of what we didn't actually make last year. Um, but then from a human standpoint, it sucks. Yep. And they're, they're, that's just the, the, the dichotomy between uh, money and humanity that just sucks about this, you know, uh, especially when it's like a, a big independent, you know, convention. And as, as conventions get bigger from growing from independence, like this is start like getting to the point where like, oh, they're, they're starting to sell out now, you know. Um, is there is, is part of the pushback, maybe a little pushback against that, you know, this is becoming not the independent thing or I don't know, but I, I think there definitely should have been someone to be like, Hey, is this the guy who wrote Holy Terror? Might, might that be an issue? <laughs> so, you know, like, I know like his people are kind of just parading around his sound fucked up with the husk of Frank Miller at, at conventions. Like this dude's ancient. Why is Why are they bringing him out to a, a convention? Yeah. In a country where uh, the, in the land of COVID. Yeah, exactly. Like just, uh, I don't know that it, it's, it's a mess all around. Should like, we, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. What were you going to say? Should we contextualize the Islamophobic business? I, I was, I was going to, yeah. um, okay, I just, okay. I just wanted to take, um, I, I wanted to make one last comment here. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the the thing that um, that I think I found to be interesting was um, there's there was another tweet from from uh, Oktar who who said so in black and white I was used to to do thought bubbles dirty work for them and as an acceptable sacrifice in order for them to garner and provide quote unquote proof to Miller's team and extract themselves from the situation and. I think um, I think that's the thing that I find the most frustrating is I think that like and I, I one other piece of context I, I guess I will offer is in the replies to their initial re- uh, response they're obviously seeing a lot of criticism um, and one of the things that uh, that somebody pointed out was the the money move angle of it and they provided some context here that I think is is worth pointing out just to be fair um, so. Someone here said, too little, too late. You sided with Miller because you knew he'd draw in more revenue until what happened became public and you had to save face. You're not the first. You won't be the last. And they replied and said, we've been working on this now for eight weeks and uh, have only been able to put something out publicly now. We know this doesn't make it better and we are deeply sorry. Thought Bubble is a nonprofit, so all revenue goes directly towards running the show and then to charity. So worth pointing that out. 
Um, not to mean that that doesn't mean that they that they don't care about money, but um, worth pointing yeah, let's, out. Let's, let's platform Islamophobia to give it to charity. Like, <laughs> yeah. And which one are you doing there? Yeah. Fair play, right? But again, just wanted to provide that context. Want to be fair um, yeah. in our in our presentation of the story. So to provide you with the um, the context of kind of Frank Miller's history of his of Islamophobia and you know how that um, why people are making that claim, right? Uh, so Tyler has mentioned uh, now at least once Holy Terror, right? which was a comic that he wrote uh, specifically in the context of uh, kind of post 9/11 and you know this uh, this rage, this this hurt, whatever you want to describe it, um, hate over over those terrorist attacks, right? And um, you know Frank Miller wrote that in uh, it came out in 2011. Wild. So that that's 10 I years. That's nuts. I only yeah. just found that out today. Yeah. That's so th- crazy. So this is, is that even post 9-11 at this point? Like like Dark Knight Jesus. Strikes Again, I think, is a direct post 9-11. Yeah. yeah uh, that ha- didn't that happen while 9-11 yeah. happened? Yeah, yeah, and you can see it on the page. Like yeah. if there's one thing I will credit Frank Miller is like the guy bleeds himself onto the page. Sure. In in sometimes horrible ways, like holy terror. Um it's literally a guy just I, I believe just going around killing Muslim people. Like that's the book, yeah. Like I don't think there's much. There's no nuance to it. It's it's literally uh, hate crime, the graphic novel. <laughs> um, and it's I don't know even who. How, how was that even published? I mean, I guess 2011, different time. Well, I I, I um, think I think it also speaks to what uh, um, I can't remember her last name. Octar. Uh, yeah. What what Shortbox has been talking about, right? Which is that I mean. Post 9-11, like, Islamophobia is extremely accepted in our society, right? Like, it's it's not uncommon. And, I mean, you know, you look at I, – I don't want to bring real-world politics into this. Um, but it, it's 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 something that we're literally still dealing with today, yeah. right? Like, it, it's, it's just as prevalent now as it was in the – in maybe not in the immediate aftermath of 9-11, but – it's a normalized thing. It's not a thing that um, you have to look hard to see <laughs> yeah. in our society. It, and Kale, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it, it is notoriously a, a bad issue in the UK. Yes, from from what I understand. Yeah, I mean that yeah, was that, one of the major motivators of Brexit, right? Like, but uh, just yeah. general yeah, I mean, xenophobia. Yeah, yeah. right. Is yeah, it's general xenophobia and wanting yeah. to like maintain British culture, right? So again, I don't I don't want to get two in the weeds about things that are unrelated to this but the point remains that islamophobia is all, yeah it is all it is it is all related my point being islamophobia is alive and well right mm. yeah um so you know and i think this being released 10 years after 911 any kind of recency whatever you know you want to attribute to that um 9-11 fucked up Frank Miller real bad. Yeah, like, yeah clearly. Sure. And and that doesn't justify no, it doesn't. Uh, that yeah. action. Of course not. But clearly he was affected by by the event. Um so something that um that that, you know, I have in kind of my supporting notes here, right, is like uh Frank Miller has said that he no longer stands by the comic and like sees that it it was coming from a place of of rage and anger and hate 
um, that he doesn't necessarily see in himself anymore. Um, but I think that that it does raise a question here, right? Um, and and that's what we're about here, right? Is having the conversation. So, like, do you do you uh, feel that that like that the creation of that book and what he's done to perpetuate those ideas through his work like what does that mean for his legacy right you said earlier Tyler that he's one of the people you could think of as making a case for for being on like the Mount Rushmore of comics right for example um does does that book you know uh make him somebody that should not be invited to be a part of the community anymore right does that is that mean he shouldn't be invited to conventions does that mean um you know that that uh i don't know that that like that he's burned you know that he's canceled right i'm gonna say it's a big it depends yeah um like i I think with a convention like thought bubble wrong move some of the core values sound like it's all about inclusive inclusivity Mm -hmm. you know right Mm -hmm. Um, this is like getting a uh, notoriously homophobic writer to be at FlameCon or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, but like, yeah. So, but does that mean Frank Miller should not go to convention general? It's hard for me to say yes to that. Um, Cause most conventions only care about money. Like, like the, 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 this wouldn't matter to the big money makers that, you know, I don't like read pop or something like that. He's always there, you know? Um, but also like, I, I wonder like, what if he was at thought bubble and they had a panel about this, you know, what if he can actually address that? You know, if there's some actual, I mean, I don't know if he could even do a panel at this point, but yeah. Um, <laughs> would he? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. You know, it would have to be, it would have to be on his own yeah. terms, you know, terms. Well, yeah. and uh, you know, he would have to be the one to do it you know, to make that happen. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. Yeah. He'd have to, I mean, he's, he's denounced this book. Apparently Pete, uh, I haven't, I, I didn't know he, he's, he's done that. I still see it on Barnes and Noble shelves. Like the book is still, still for there. sale. That's really? the point. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, yeah. that, you know, like, you can tell because it's like 300. It's like, it. it's like that oddly wow. sized book. It's like yeah. widescreen. So yeah, like I've that all, shit sticks out of, of bookshelves. Like I think you I've will see it seen, instantly. I've only ever seen 300. I don't think I've ever seen it out in the wild. No, I've, 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 yeah. I've seen it in the wild. Yeah. I think recently I think the, th- the thing is like he can he regrets it he doesn't stand by it fine but that's not saying sorry no yeah no I agree there's no action and the fact that he it still came out a decade later <laughs> like he he wrote that he illustrated it and then he had to take the time to fig- find someone who would publish it in all that time Frank Miller never had the idea after a decade, never had the thought, Hey, actually maybe this isn't such a good idea. Well, and here's, here's the thing. Um, I, I have, I, I've, I pulled up the context of like how it's been said and like what Miller has said about it. So I'll, I'll clarify. So, um, when the book came out, uh, it had a lot of criticism you know, um, there there are quotes from uh, Stan Lee and Grant Morrison here on the Wikipedia page criticizing it. So um, not in great company. 
Uh, so Miller, and here I'm quoting from the Wikipedia page, Miller responded generally to these criticisms on his blog, again referring to the book as intentional propaganda, quote unquote, without apology, and saying, I'm too old to serve my country in any other way. Otherwise, I'd gladly be pulling the trigger myself. Oh my God. Those are his original comments about this book. His original ones. Original. Then in, this is like 2000, uh, so it says here, I believe it was announced well in advance, too, so that these could be in build up. Yeah. So the original publication was in 2011, but the the criticism of it came um, around 2006 because that was when it was announced. It was originally announced as a black, uh, uh, not a black uh, label book, a Batman book. Um, yep. Yeah, it was. So uh, so that that's the context. Right. And uh, then in 2018. This is when he he expressed his, uh, you know, he has kind of, you know, updated comments on it. Uh, he expressed regret for writing Holy Terror, saying, when I look at Holy Terror, which I really don't do all that often, I can really feel the anger ripple out of the pages. I don't want to wipe out chapters of my own biography, but I'm not capable of that book again. So he can't draw it again? <laughs> I, I mean, that's the thing, I mean, right? Have, have you read Master Race? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and that's the thing, right? It's like there... I, contextualize that as remorse if you want that's fine i i think that's fair to say like but it's not it's not an apology it's yeah. not a yeah. i was wrong and i've changed and here's how right and yeah. i think i think for me it's hard to not i don't know i i think uh when we have these conversations right i understand wanting to give someone the benefit of the doubt you know um mm. that's that's a fine place to start conversations like this in good mm. faith but to me, I look at this and, you know, whether or not maybe he looks back on that book and says, I wouldn't write that again. I wouldn't do that again. But it doesn't seem like he's that. Yeah, it's an, an internal thing. Remorse is an internal thing. It's, oh, I, I regret doing that for how it made me feel or yeah. what happened to me because of it. Or how it's, it made me a, look or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know, and yeah. it, it doesn't feel like he's grown to a point where he's like, I can't believe I felt this way. And here's why this is wrong and how I've grown and changed as a person. And, you know. And, you know, you could make the argument that he doesn't owe us that, but then I would make yeah. the argument that we don't owe you a place in the industry, you know? Um, it, yeah, I mean, to that point, like, here's the thing. I, you can't cancel Frank Miller. No, you He's can't. Frank Miller. He also defined a genre. Like, it's, he defined yeah. current day comic books. It, it's it's ingrained dumb. into it. Yeah. Like, I, we're lucky if we get another comic out of him. Like, he's next to dead. Like... <laughs> And I think, you know, we we all we often do end up having that conversation too, right? Of like, does somebody like who's done a bad thing or or what's up, Kale? Go ahead. In fact, it might be more of a punishment to make him go to Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should have you're saying he should have gone to Thought Bubble as everybody expose him, but... expose him to crowds. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um and I think you know you you can have that conversation right about like does does Frank Miller being a shitty person or being a, a an Islamophobe or or ha or creating bad work in the back back half of his career however you want to define it um, does that negate his overall contributions to like the medium or the art form like no I I don't yeah, I don't I no. wouldn't make that argument but I I also think that like in 2021 what is his real relevance to what comics are today aside from his legacy. Right. Like it's not it's that he's going because he's a living legend and 
There are people that have a connection to his work and want to meet the man or get the signature or whatever. And that's all well and good. But I also think that like, you know, uh, there, you, you can acknowledge what his work has meant to comics while still taking him to task, you know, like they're, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, there are plenty of, of Frank Miller titles that I've read and enjoyed in, in my history as a comic book reader, right? I haven't read any of them in recent memory, so who's to say what I would feel about them in 2021? But, um, you know, that that is what it is. The contributions are what they are. That doesn't mean that he just gets carte blanche to say or do whatever he wants and that nobody should, you know, um, should hold him accountable for that, you know? In the same way that he, it was, it was absolutely his right uh, as a creator and and as a, a a person with you know um a platform to write that book he he was that was his right as a as a storyteller to do that but it's my right as a consumer to say well i reject that and i reject yeah. those uh those values and those attitudes and that i don't want to support an organization that supports that yep yeah yep and like yeah. since since holy terror he's had plenty of opportunity to Speak on this. There's no statement for this matter from the Miller team yeah. that I've seen. It's just radio silence. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure he doesn't give a shit. That's why I'm saying team. Like, yeah, <laughs> I right. would assume at no, least I, he yeah. has somebody. You know, um, I don't expect Frank Miller to say shit. Uh, but that says something for his character too. You know, so I right. think like I think you know. Okay, fine. You're offended that you know. People are calling him a racist. Okay, fine. He still wrote a great big racist ass book, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's. I mean, that's it. Yeah, and, and maybe it sucks to think about the guy who wrote your favorite Daredevil or Batman or Wolverine stories is an asshole. Yep. Um, or that's racist. fucking life. Yeah, yeah. Or or racist Islamophobe. Yeah. Even like Sin City stuff. There's a lot of misogyny in that book too. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. If if you can't come to terms with that as a fan, uh, you got to reevaluate. Like 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 there are things that are bigger than your love for a, a piece of sequential art, you know. And right. and to honestly, uh, I think I think the the comparison of uh, Mount Rushmore and yeah, weirdly appropriate, is completely appropriate. It's a great big shit stain on this beautiful land of ours. <laughs> <laughs> So you're saying he would fit right in on the Mount Rushmore, yeah? That's exactly what I'm saying. Yep. Sure. Yeah, so, you know, I think I think ultimately we're all on the same page here in this conversation in terms of, you know, uh, where 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 our sensibilities lie, yeah. right? Like, I think I, I, I don't feel like it's uh, a, a hot take to say that I think no. He's Fall been on the cusp. did the wrong thing. They made a mistake he- here. Miller's been on the cusp of internet cancellation for uh, decades now, like since the dawn of the internet, you know? I mean, he just recently came out with the Dark Knight 3 titled The Master Race. Like, and, and that that didn't get him canceled. Like, that was two was years ago. Wild. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, we should have canceled him for the Fedora choice, in my opinion, but, you know, that's, that's just me. But. So I think um, where where I guess I'll I'll end it is where do you feel Thought Bubble goes from here? Like, do you think that this is a stain on Thought Bubble's reputation, or do you think that they they have the ability to um, kind of mend fences and and can, move on from this? Can I ask for some clarity? Is Shortbox going now that 
this happened, or I just like I was gonna say, I've I've not seen any confirmation that that's the case. Okay. So I would believe gotcha. that they're still not attending. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, and this also isn't the first time something like this has happened. Um, with her in the in the the center of it. Um, so you mean a Muslim woman who makes comics gets a lot yeah. of harassment on the internet? Oh, well, guess who's having a that doesn't sound right. Guess who's having a guess? Guess what section of Twitter is having a heyday with this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I think if they, they'll, you know, this year I think it'll proceed as normal without Frank Miller, you know, sure, uh, sure. and without Shortbox. I think it, you know, it'll suck for fans of Shortbox, but you know, before this. Uh, you know, they've also released uh, a Kickstarter that seems to be doing incredible. Now, uh, so. Yeah, it's doing really well. Um, yeah. I, I bet this helped, honestly, because well, they their goal was 30K and they have uh, over double that right now. And there's 10 days left to go. I'd never heard of Shortbox before. I'm going to back it. It sounds pretty cool. Their stuff <laughs> is really, really good. Heard something um, similar to Shortbox, but. Um, and that's not to say I, you know, none of that should be viewed as like a publicity stunt or whatever. No, not at all. It's not what happens. A very, uh, honest and, 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 um, uh, 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 righteous individuals. Um, they're, they're good people. Um, but, um, I think, I think we'll have to wait and see what happens next year. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, I hope uh, I, I do hope that that things are able to be salvaged. You know, um, I think as much as I, I definitely agree um, or I guess I should say I stand by what I said earlier in that, like, I think that they they clearly made a mistake. And, you know, um, I think I think they made the wrong call on this story based on, you know, what you've said about Thought Bubble in the past, Kale, and, and kind of what a lot of the people who I think were hurt by this news had said about what the show had meant to them and, and what the community of Thought Bubble um, had meant for for being a, a convention that was inclusive and focused on the indie space more so than, than you know, mainstream stuff. Um, that's a valuable convention. So yeah. I hope that they're able to... Um, come to a resolution so that like you know those who have been affected um feel like the issue's been adequately addressed and that like short box is comfortable coming back next year and you know Mm. um i think that's going to be the thing that that i'd like to see because yeah Yeah. people make mistakes right like they're they're i don't think that this means that thought bubble has to be burned um people people make mistakes like publishing uh an islamophobic book a decade later Wait, who, pub- who published the book? Because I'll... <laughs> uh, I want to say Dark Horse. Okay, so Dark Horse. Ooh, really? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay, hold, hold on. Let's see. Don't I don't know the answer. I know Dark Horse did. Uh... I won't like the answer. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Who. Oh, Legendary Comics. Oh, oh cool. so Never heard of them. Got the it. people who did. Is that the company that did 300? Yeah, it's it's the, the movie company. company. They've done like Pacific Rim. They've done Good grief. They've done Godzilla. They wanted yeah. to make it a movie, um, probably. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they they're still publishing stuff as of now. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're trying to break into the comic space. 
have been for a while. Yeah, yeah. I feel, did they do? I feel like Chris Hardwick was attached to them at some point too. Wow, they're just really good at lining up problematic figures, huh? <laughs> well, well, I mean Godzilla. Oh, Morrison was on this. Uh, he wanted Eisner for a book on here. Okay, yeah. that's that's you got some you got some clout now. Okay, yeah. um. But anyway, you know, we'll we'll see where this goes. I think obviously, um, I think you're right, Kale. I think this year it's gonna be, it's gonna be odd. It'll it'll yeah. go on as usual, and we'll see what the you know the backlash really ends up amounting to. Um, but I think next year is really gonna be the year that we'll see what this means for Thought Bubble. Yeah, there needs to be some ac- actionable change. I think yeah. with, with with something like that. Yeah, yeah. It seems like their community is not willing to let this blow over. Um, yeah. with you know probably good reason. So. Uh, we did it, folks. We made it through. Uh, thank you for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. Um, you know, these obviously these kinds of discussions are uh, not quite as fun as us just monkeying around, but uh, I, th- I think it's important that we have them. Um, and uh, I appreciate that we have a show and have cultivated an audience where we can have these kind of conversations uh, respectfully. So, um, yeah, if you want to weigh in on this or any of the other stories we talked about this week, uh, you can get us on the Discord. Uh, come join our ever-growing community over there where uh, we've got – it's a great time. You know, we've got channels for everything from comic books to anime to wrestling to video games. So um, if you want to come and connect with us or with people who listen to the show and are interested in the same kind of stuff that you are, um, we're always kind of continuing the conversations that start on the show over on the Discord Um, And often getting questions and comments that spur new segments on the show. Um, So come be a part of it. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, If you're a longtime listener or a new listener and you've never written into the show before, I challenge you to write in for next week's show. Um, We'd love to we'd love to get your takes. Uh, So, yeah, we're all over the place. Go check out our brand new show that Tyler uh, hosts called Journey to Quiz Tree. Tyler, you want to just give the elevator pitch to it real quick? Yeah, it's a it's a comic book quiz show um, where I get four people on the show. Uh, last week it was uh, these two fellas and and Sean and Phil, um, and I just ask them questions, see who can answer the most, and they get strange. Uh, I had we we tested out everyone's art skills on the most recent episode, <laughs> so yeah. Um, let's just say uh, people can tell what a boob is. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I can listen, tell that. Uh, listen. Hey, listen. I know what a boob looks like. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter what the figure is. I know yeah. what a boob looks like. No, you de- can't tell definitely me. check it out. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. If you want to see uh, Sean get real mad at the end too, that's uh, it's a great a great way of uh, of watching that. So yeah, definitely check it out. It, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be we'll be doing that monthly. Uh, yeah, with, uh, different people. So it was a blast. Uh, we'll definitely be be keeping that show going. So go check out the pilot episode. Um, we'd love your feedback. That was only the yeah, first episode. Sure. So if you have thoughts on, you know, maybe some other segments or, you know, anything. Um, yeah, like, like, ca- like, like round categories. If you have ideas for that, I'm sure. going to try and play. I'm, I'm playing around with the, I'm actually like watching like old quiz shows. I'm like, all right, how can I, how can I incorporate something like this into it? So yeah, ideas feel free. Yeah. Yeah. So go check that out. Um, you know, we've got tons of great content right now. We've, we've been on a tear lately. Uh, go check out our weekly image reviews that drop every Wednesday. We've got our reviews for DC, Marvel, and everything else uh, going up on Thursdays now with Tyler as a regular chair over on that show. So go check that out. Um, yeah, and we got our newest book club for Suicide Squad out this week. We got a ton of stuff. So go check out that all the Suicide this- Squad book is good. It was a good so, one. Yeah. It was a good one. Um, so yeah, go show your support however you can, however you choose to. We appreciate it. And um, 
yeah, we'll catch you next week for another episode. Of the- oh, wait, no, plugs. I forgot to do this last time I hosted. Not going to forget this time. There we go. Let's do some plugs. Uh, first goes me. I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Come follow me and chat with me about anything. I don't know. Just come talk to me. It's cool. Um, if you want to get some more content from me, you can go check out my band, Long Friend, Time Friend. Uh, we have got some new music coming out in the next couple months. Um, our debut album came out earlier this year. If you like noisy punk rock, um, and leftist shit, go check out our music. We're pretty good. Uh, and then you can also go check out um, the rebrand slash new video game podcast that I'm doing. The Potscast, the old video game show that I used to host, is now uh, becoming something new. It's going to be called the Flip Screen Games Podcast. If you want to hear all about that, you can go check out the last episode of the Potscast on that feed or go head over to flipscreen.games uh, and you'll get links to all the stuff. It's going live on uh, the 9th, so uh, go, go check it out. Kale. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my work at Kelwar.com. C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. In big news this week, uh, the new common writer has been announced. Common writer Revice. The cool thing about him. Revice? Revice. R-E-V-I-C-E. That's a word? Yeah. Uh, you got me. Sure. <laughs> uh, the cool thing about him is his one, his uh, suit is incredibly different from any uh, other common writer I've seen. Um, he's got a, uh, a dinosaur motif that sort of doubles as like a, um, a demon. Okay. You've, so you've, you've retweeted this. I believe yes, the, several the times. This yeah. shit does look cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of common writers whose deal is, uh, he's one. He's two people, but he becomes one, which is a common writer. This guy is one person, but he becomes two. So he's attached to a demon that when he does his uh, his morph, his henchin, as it were, um, the demon that's attached to him gains life and is another common writer. So there's uh, there revice r e v i c e is the combination of them as a team. And then there's common writer uh, Revy, which is the main guy. And then the demon has a name, and he's also a common writer. He's ice. It's weird. It's weird. Uh, it's also got a weird focus on um, Japanese bathhouses. Okay. I mean, I don't yep. know. It's weird. <laughs> cool. It's weird. Check it out, Tyler. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're still here after that, um, you can follow me at uh, the Tyler Olson uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, if you guys want to play some Pokemon Unite, I, I, I'm playing way too much of it. Um, also, you can check out Ramen Rider. It's my new ramen shop uh, where all the dishes Fuck. are. That's a great idea. Named, named after different kaiju. So, I'm in. I want to go. Yeah, I'm Tyler, in. are we playing Unite later? Uh, possibly. Yeah, I might be busy today, but well, later, if you're talking later, later, then yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I definitely could. Yeah. The missus is gone. I'm fucking hanging out doing nothing got, today. Let's I play got video some games. Snorlax playing me right now. Let's go. Uh, all right, guys. All three of us are in a, the exact same position. And Just going stag all week. Yeah, download the fucking game, Kale. Let's in our underwear and play Pokemon. I don't want it. Play something fun. That game it's is fun. fun. Okay, you anyway. can be Gengar. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week for another episode of the Comic Spells. So Why would I want that? Take it easy, everybody. Like, share, subscribe. We love you. Bye. See you next week.